0: That You have to get your hands dirty. Uh, you can't do a startup with a corporate mindset.
1: When people tell me that I can't do something, I will do whatever it takes to prove
0: them. Good. Life two that to compensate both ho uh, One is your earning and one is your learning. Fundamental, each has always been good.
2: I'm your host, Akshay Dutt, and you're listening to Spotlight, a podcast in which I speak to disruptive startup founders.
0: Hi, I'm Neeraj uh, Ranjan Raut and I'm the founder and CEO of Fiverr.
1: It is estimated that we send and receive more than 300 billion emails per day. That's a mind-boggling 40 emails per person alive today. Undoubtedly, email is the most powerful application of the 21st century given that email is such a core way to communicate and work, it is fairly surprising that the core email platform is pretty much unchanged for decades. Looking at these limitations of email and realizing the potential value that can be unlocked by adding more features to email is what inspired Neeraj Ranjan Raut to start Hiver. Hiver is a platform built on top of email for business to make use of email to get more things done and make their team more productive. Listen to this fascinating conversation of Neeraj with Akshay Dutt about building a global SaaS product from India.
2: So, Neeraj, uh, where did you grow up? Where are you from?
0: Absolutely. So, I I grew up in, uh, you know, in parts in Jharkhand and in West Bengal, you know, I've been, you know, I've lived in both parts of the country and, uh, but yeah, primarily in Jharkhand and, and my, my family and my parents are, uh, you know, from that part of the country. So, what kind yeah, so
2: of family? Fam- like, was it like a service class or business yeah. or like?
0: Okay. So, so uh, uh, my family is primarily service class, but my father had a small, you know, fairly small business, right? Which was basically a shop, uh, you know, selling auto parts, etc. right? So. So, you know, a typical small town middle class family is, is, you know, where I come from, right? Uh, And, you know, I grew up uh, there and, you know, studied in a, in a, you know, uh, school in that town. And, you know, I, that is where I was till my 10th grade. And then I moved to Calcutta to do my, you know, plus two. And then I ended up at IIT Calcutta. Why,
2: why Calcutta? Why the move for like better schooling?
0: schooling, right? So it was a small town, and you know, uh, if your intention was to get into a good engineering school further on, uh, you'd be better off, you know, going to you know that was the thesis, and 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 uh, being a you know fairly decent student, I ended up getting admitted in a good college in Kol- Kolkata for my plus two, right? And so I ended mm-hmm. up moving there. And you were like serious.
2: staying alone, like in a hostel? or you. I, I was leave. in a
0: hostel, I was in a hostel, right? Um,
2: how, how, how was that like, like that's a pretty young age to like leave your family? Yeah, so, and...
0: Absolutely. So, you know, but, but, but before that one, you know, interesting anecdote that you'll find interesting, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm from a fairly small town in Jharkhand, and, and absolutely no one knew about that town till very recently when uh, netflix did a series on that town around that town that's right? Uh,
2: okay <laughs> so I,
0: if, you, if you if you have heard of this series called Jamtara about cyber crime and huh, 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 actually huh, from that town that specific that's town, a, okay so, is
2: it accurate like is that really it, like a hub
0: it's actually a hub right there's so many stories right? that's a, okay but, okay but, but the town of hustlers very <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so interesting, right? I mean, I would also always have to refer yeah. to other places, larger towns around it when I told people.
2: Yeah. 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 Where yeah. I'm from,
0: but I no longer have to do that. I don't know whether I'm or <laughs> happy about that, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay like you know people who are like into hacking and all like your old friends no, and all
0: absolutely. no no, no, okay. no. I, I don't know do anyone but you know i know i think i'm one degree of separation away from such people Right. So okay. i know people okay. who know such people so. <laughs> okay. and also okay. i've been out of that place for quite some time i visit you know occasionally probably once in 18 months or so uh, but i have friends there so i know what's going on so i knew about this for much longer before this actually came out
2: Hmm. but you were never like keen to right. make a quick buck
0: <laughs> i don't know if that is what i'm trying to do now but <laughs> <laughs> no not, not nothing of that yeah okay. <laughs> uh,
2: okay. so uh, how was the whole experience of living alone then you know two years school then another yeah. four years in iit
0: yeah so i think the the experience in kolkata you know during my plus 2 was a bit difficult uh, because, you know, first, I, I'm fairly young, I was probably 15 years old, and uh, uh, away from home, you know, and, and getting used to hostel food, which was not very nice, and also being under constant pressure of being, having to do well in studies so that you can land up in a good college, right? I mean, that is how, you know, middle class story is. And uh, so you're in a fairly difficult environment, struggling with basic necessities like, you know, having good, nutritious food. And with pressure to, you know, manage to get into a good school, right? So so I think all that combined to make those, you know, two years a bit difficult. But uh, after we got into IIT, you know, I think it, it got a lot better, right? I mean, you'd still struggle with uh, the hostile situation, but you know, that that insecurity or uncertainty about your career goes away. And then you you have peers who are very, very interesting and, you know of, of you know, you are basically with birds of the same feather, which makes your life so much more fun and interesting. Right. So that is how I put it, right? So, so the, it really bothered for my plus twelve, but after I got into IIT, it became really fun and really interesting. Were you a hustler in IIT? No, or I was like no. no I, 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 regular no, I was, straight. Absolutely. A, no. yeah. So I, I was not a regular straight hardworking student either. I mean, I, I did decently well, but I was not one of the really studious kind. But nor I was uh, a hustler, right? I think I spent a lot of time uh, learning stuff, reading stuff, you know, and and. Uh, doing uh, stuff outside of uh, the purview of what uh, was a part of my course, but again, not very deeply involved with, you know, uh, college politics and hostel life, et etc. et cetera. So I was kind of, you know, midway between those two.
2: Hmm. Okay. And uh, the job at Mentor Graphics, that was like a campus placement?
0: So actually, I, that was before my campus placement. That is where I did my, you know, uh, you know pre-placement, not pre-placement, but my, yeah, internship. Uh, sorry, my internship, which was a two-month internship, Right. And I ended up, you know, getting an offer there. So I've never attended an interview. So you know, that <laughs> was my first job, and you know, yeah, that is something yeah. that I uh, like to mention that you know, <laughs> incidentally, I never attended uh, a job
2: interview. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, I'll give you some experience of an interview today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this stuff I do quite well. So I, 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 I I've, I've, I've been overcompensated on that front by having to pitch to you know, ah, English okay. English English English. right, 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 right. So okay. nature okay. has had its influence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay okay so uh, what were you doing at mentor
0: so i was uh, uh you know so basically mentor is a company that makes tools or products that helps people who design chips build chips right so it's basically like you know computer-aided design chips for uh, tools for people who build chips right and i was in their emulation division which is you know basically software that helps you confirm that your designs meet standards, and, uh, you know, do what they're expected to do, right? So so essentially what it entails is, you know, you're building compilers which translate one kind of description to another kind of description and make sure that everything matches it. So, you know, hardcore technical work, I was writing code in C++ primarily for four or five years, very, very strongly, you know, delineated uh, from the work that you do in web and mobile. So, you know, moving to web and mobile from there was a fairly strong, big jump uh, for me. But very interesting work, technically. And then, and, and Metrographics, you know, the culture, the people was was outstanding, right? I've taken away a lot uh, from what I observed and experienced at Metrographics into how, you know, I have built uh, the current company. So, like,
2: you know, what happened in, like, 2007 when you kind of uh, jumped ship?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I after, uh, so the first three years of Metagraphics graphics was amazing know, I think I met so many good people and did good work, but probably around three and a half years or so, I started to get restless and uh, tried to figure out what is it that I should be doing uh, next, right, which is interesting and kind of uses uh, uh, every bit of my potential and every bit of uh, the skill that I have, right and uh, that was the idea and you know the the few ideas that i considered was going ahead and doing a phd maybe or or going ahead and starting a company and seeing how that turns out right and uh, and you know i i think i gravitated towards doing a company because because it was very interesting very challenging it was very open-ended right i mean uh, if you do a phd or you do a masters you have Kind of visibility into how your life is going to look like 20 years down the line, right? I mean, you have a rough amount of visibility. But I like the fact that you know, with with uh, being an entrepreneur, you know, it was extremely open-ended, and and you could basically decide what you're going to be in the next 15, 20 years, right? So I think that is what drew me towards that direction as against other things.
2: Did you have like role models like you know, Narayan Murthy or some who no, like? Okay.
0: Okay. I've, I've, okay even now it's you know people are so flawed that it's extremely dangerous to have role <laughs> models <laughs> mm-hmm. i find mm-hmm. it very hard to have role models even now it's extremely mm-hmm. difficult for
2: me. Mm-hmm. okay so you uh, like uh, quit and started on your own you had co-founders tell me about that journey of actually launching uh, yeah. the company that you launched then yeah.
0: yeah so my co-founder was uh munish was my you know uh, uh, my batchmate from IIT Kharagpur and also my colleague at Mentor Graphics, right? So we had worked for quite a few years, knew each other very, very well. And and were very good friends and we are still very good friends. And uh, and we ended up, uh, and, you know, it was like, you know, if I'm starting a company, he would, you know, basically, of course, or if he's starting a company, I would, of course, go ahead and join him, right? And so we kind of got together and said that let's do something, right? And, you know, we left our jobs within a week of, you know, each other. So I left on the 4th of May, he left on the 11th of May. And uh, we started up, right. So, so I always had a co-founder, right. And my current co-founder Nitesh uh, joined us within one week of one month of, you know, our having left our uh, previous jobs. You know, he joined us right out of college. He was also at IIT Kharagpur at that time. And then we became this three three people team who continued uh, building the first business that we had over the next few what, years. W- what was the business that you thought you will do? So, you know, we thought, you know, we actually thought a lot and did quite a few things. Uh, Over over a period of around 15 months after we left, right. So, the first thing that we tried to build was, you know, back in 2007, uh, a local search app like Zomato, uh, where you know you could you could quickly look for things around you on uh, mobile phones. But then, you know, GPS connect GPS connections at that time, as we called it at that time, right, were extremely unreliable. And expensive and very few people had that. So we started with that idea in mind. And then, you know, within three, four months, we realized that there are two problems. One, uh, data was difficult, expensive and unavailable. Second was that, you know, we did not have app stores. And if you wanted to get apps into people's phones, you had to go through these gatekeepers who are, who are basically, uh, the airtels and Vodafone's of the world, right? And, and that is where we thought that, you know, we, we do not want to get into that problem. You know, we are, we want to build stuff and don't want to grapple with the problem of having to, you know, go through people, right? So, you know, after that, you know, we tried one more thing, right? We tried a very interesting product, which was like uh, Dropcam that you have right now in the US, right? So, it was uh, a camera that you could very easily deploy at your home and monitor using a website. Uh, We did that for a few months. We had some initial success. But then, you know, over a period of probably 15 months or so, we started with a very small amount of personal cash, started to run out, and at the same time facebook apps started to come up right it was the 2008 was when facebook apps were coming up and uh, we, we quickly picked up that skill and we started getting some consulting projects hmm. Hmm. So, you know like within US of, uh,
2: businesses yeah. outsourcing to india
0: yeah absolutely yes uh, you know uh, businesses you know individuals because you know when something like like this picks up you know anyone who has in their pocket in the US think that they can build an app and get get rich overnight, right? And they probably did not get rich out of that, but we did. And and we started that and and, uh, that picked up very fast. And, you know, we first picked up uh, Facebook apps, then we picked up, uh, you know, iOS apps because iOS apps came probably an year down the line, right? So we kept picking these things up pretty fast and uh, we built a team of close to 30 people over the next one and a half years or so. And we were making decent amount of money. Uh, How were you was, getting
2: business? Like you had a BD yeah. person or you were yourselves doing so sales? Was, or
0: It was all inbound, right? I mean, I have been a big proponent of inbound ever since. right? So we did some SEO. We wrote some content. Uh, we built a website. I ran a small AdWords campaign where we spent probably a few thousand dollars a month and we managed to get enough. So scaling that got very hard later on, but we could get enough traction out of, you know, uh, inbound and references in the beginning.
2: and uh so then what happened like you scaled it up you had a 30 member team what kind of revenue are you doing
0: we're doing a few crores uh annually which was we were making you know i mean and and after paying everyone off you know because it was not very expensive to run that operation we're making a fair bit of money and uh you know i got restless again i thought that uh, i did not sign up to be a founder to build a services company because we're not creative enough and we're not doing interesting stuff. And also scaling that was very, very hard. You know, we could get to where we could get to, but then, uh, you know, maintaining this constant stream of uh, new customers, uh, hiring, running the operations of a services. This was, you know, of course it's interesting to a lot of people, extremely draining for me. And uh, I wanted to do something creative and I had a lot of ideas on what to uh, build, right? So then, you know, one point Nitesh and I got together and we said that, you know, we don't want to run this anymore. And uh, we, we said that we'll start, we'll go ahead and do a product. So we quit and we started uh, this new company in
2: 2012. So what was the, what was the journey of the new company? Like what, when you quit, did you have a thought in mind on what you want to do? Yeah.
0: So I have, we are fairly clear, right? I mean, this was based on a problem that both Nitesh and I had uh, faced which were around email, right? I mean, we had faced tons of problems around email collaboration and email productivity everywhere we went. And I had some direct experience of, you know, the kind of confusion that not handling email well leads to in uh, a work environment from my experience at MetroGraphics, right? And we had some ideas. What what, what, what exactly, like like you saw
2: as the problem? Hmm.
0: Exactly. So my specific problem that I had experienced, which we tried to build on was, around uh, managing knowledge and information, right? So so we had this uh, very frequent problem at uh, our work where, uh, you know, we would have deep technical conversations on email where, you know, you would ask a problem, someone would offer a solution. Then you'd have a thread with 25, 30 emails over a large period of time, right? And then the problem would get solved. And six months down the line, someone would ask uh, the same question again, and then you would be rummaging, rummaging through people's inboxes, trying to find that attachment someone might have left, et etc. et cetera. And, and fundamentally, the insight was that email inboxes are silos, you know, but they contain information that is relevant to a larger context than my own personal context, right? And how do I take that information out of inboxes and make it available for and useful for everyone else, right? So that was the basic premise. And that is where we started, right? So that is where we built the first iteration of our product in 2011. Where so what was owned. the
2: first product what did it look like you know
0: in, in yeah. the sense that yeah i'll tell you exactly how it looked it was very simple so you know we built it for g suite you know and how it worked was that you know you have uh, let's say you're looking at an email right and on the right side where you have information about that contact you would have a button that uh, said send to Grexit. we are called Grexit at that point of time which is another interesting story but uh So, and, and if you clicked on center, that's it, you know, that, uh, our product would basically, uh, you know, uh, extract all the information, uh, from that email set and would put it into, uh, uh, a centralized knowledge base, right. And then you could continue a conversation after that on the email, you know, you could continue it over the next, uh, one month and we would keep automatically refreshing and, you know, keeping the content on the knowledge base. Uh, uh, you know, up to date, right? And then you could have access control saying that you know people, these people can have access to these conversations, and they could go into the knowledge base and access and find information, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So very, very useful thing. Uh, very immediately. And it useful was uh, like,
2: like I have questions on this. Like, it was what, yeah. like a text-based thing, like the knowledge base. It would capture all the text, or also the attachments and everything. screenshots.
0: It would, it would pick everything. Everything that was a part of the email mm. thread would just mm. pull that and put mm-hmm. it there. Oh, and uh,
2: how did you, uh, like, how did uh, Gmail give this permission? Was it part of like standard, like they yeah, were all... opening it up to anybody? Or, it like...
0: is part of the, you know, so there are two parts of the problem, right? Uh, one is access to the emails and that is all available through, you know, IMAP or their OAuth based uh, API. So, so all of that was available, right? I mean, a lot of, a lot of, of that has changed over the years. It has become much easier to do it now. But theoretically it was all possible. And on the front end, we had to show the button, etc. Right. So all of that was possible through a browser extension. So you don't need Google's permissions for that. You could build a browser extension even now, with which renders we have so many companies with browser extensions now, right? So so you could build a browser extension to do the front end and have API, you know, official Google APIs uh, to do the back end. So it was all possible. There were questions around whether people would be able to or happy to give access to their emails, but that was a different mm-hmm. question altogether. Mm-hmm
2: okay so like uh, that i assume uh, it was probably not so much of privacy consciousness at that time and people would have actually it uh, I was mean, the other would... way around
0: okay. no actually it was the other way around you know you hear no more noise about privacy at this point of time right but people were are much more relaxed about privacy at this point of time right and uh, when we started you know the the primary apprehension that we faced from so many people uh, was would people be open to giving access to emails, right? And uh, this is a question that we had to constantly counter. I think you hear a lot more noise about it right now, but people are a lot more, you know, lackadaisical about that thing at this point. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Now we are used to clicking on uh, accept, Absolutely. like, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and uh, how was this funded? Like, did you charge from day one and were you making money from there or did you get investors or?
0: Yeah, so we ended up raising a uh, small round very, very quickly, right? So, you know, we had, we had, we had been entrepreneurs for some time and, you know, we had connections and, uh, the idea was fundamentally good. Uh, Nitesh and I were, uh, uh or are uh, uh, very good technical team, you know, both of us could build stuff quickly. So we could build a POC, show it to people, you know, get some early adopters to give us feedback and we could convince enough people to raise, uh, we ended up raising around $175,000 or a crore uh from uh, you know um, so Citrix the technology company used to run an accelerator at that point of time they put in some money and I know I knew Vijay Shekhar Sharma of PTM at that time he, it was 197 there was no PTM at that point of time and he put in some money and you know I also had some of my friends put in some money so it ended up becoming a one crore uh, kind of round and it was enough for us to get started right and then we bootstrapped from there for a fairly long period of time
2: and uh, how much were you charging for this? It must have been so a per-user license.
0: Yeah, there's a huge, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a large interesting story around that, right? So we started from a very small price of $1, right, per user. And from there, right now, we sell at a price of around $30 per seat. So so that journey is another interesting journey that we have seen.
2: Hmm. Tell me about that. Like, like this is a pretty massive scale-up, like 30x... Yeah.
0: Yeah, it happened over a period of time, but you know, what is more interesting is what I learned about how to price, right? So I think pricing low is a huge, huge problem because there are a lot, it might make it easier for you to sell or it might look like it has become easier for you to sell. It leads to lots of problems, right? One is, you know, you attract the kind of customers who do not expect much from you and then you don't deliver much and then it's a downward spiral from there. You know, it, it constantly runs to the ground. Whereas if you price it probably a bit higher, uh, then you're comfortable with in the vicinity of other products that do, you know, similar things. What happens is that you have to fight harder to sell, but then that makes you better as a salesman, that makes you better as a product and that get, gets you more demanding customers onto the platform, which again, you know, works as an upward spiral to make your product better, right? So as a general rule, right? I mean, the worst thing that uh, a company can do is price low. Other, uh, unless that's, 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 that's a core part of the strategy, you know, to undercut someone. But generally, it's, it's a horrible idea to price to because, you know, that basically runs everything to the ground. Hmm, hmm.
2: So h- how are you selling this? Uh, was it again inbound
0: or did you? like? Yeah, we, we we have always been inbound. Even now when we have decent bit of revenue, we are 99% inbound. So it was inbound, right? And and we leveraged everything. We, of course, again, went ahead and did the CEO. We wrote, we wrote content. Uh, we went and listed on the Google Chrome Store and the Google G Suite Marketplace, etc. Right? We started getting a trickle of, you know, revenue pretty quickly in, 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 a, in a few months. right? And this uh, would all
2: have been like global, like U.S. companies. Yeah, right? It, it or,
0: is still global. It is, you know, it has always been global for us. And 99% of our revenue has always been global.
2: And so, you know, how, how did the, the, tell me about the evolution then, you know, so how did uh, that yeah. revenue grow? How did the product grow?
0: So, you know, we we are pretty restless with the product. You know, we are kind of still looking for the right thing to build. And uh, what we learned was that uh, knowledge management is not a problem that most companies in the world bother about. Right? People bother about core business functions like, you know, sales or uh, customer service or marketing, etc. And knowledge management is kind of this ancillary problem that probably very large companies think about you know, probably the infosys and the repros of the world or maybe the McKinsey's of the world. But others usually do not think about that. And so we, uh, generally the thought process was that we want to build this, you know, this company with this really popular, fast-moving product and do not want to get into enterprise sales where we have to sell to very, very large companies. So we thought how we can change this entire approach so that it becomes more fitted small and medium-sized companies that will just try the product and buy it and we don't have to go and pitch and try to sell right how and many I, years
2: in was this happening like this uh, journey journey
0: 2013 of... or so right? okay
2: okay
1: hmm.
0: yeah. and so and we are still probably what three or four, uh, four people team uh, you know making enough money to pay for our uh, you know salvage uh so uh, so what we did then was that we saw, thought that let's move into a direction where, you know, it, it makes it extremely easy for people to manage their day-to-day problems, not do knowledge management, right? And what we built from there was that, you know, you have, we have labels in Gmail and uh, we built something called uh, Gmail shared labels. You know, we are the first company to build it. Now there are probably five, seven companies that have it. And what that does is that, uh, you know, you have a label in your email that says, uh, you know, uh, new job application. And you drop that, label on an email and that email gets shared with your team and they also see the label of application right now uh if i want someone in my team to take care of that email i could add another label called you know task with this and then this gets notified and he can start working on the task right so it was a very simple label based method of of you know uh of of managing your workflow around customer service Anywhere, you know, email is a fairly important part of the piece.
2: Any any kind of stakeholder interaction could be yeah, managed yeah, with
0: that. Absolutely. Uh, where, where you have a team okay. of people handling stakeholders, vendors, partners. The key thing is that you, know, you should have an inflow of email from somewhere else, and you should have a team of people who are managing it. Right. And if if that fits the use case, it was a you know good solution. Right? Which so is a pretty week,
2: global uh, thing. Like I mean, any nice. company See, with more than thirty forty headcount will have a need for something absolutely. like this.
0: So that was the idea. We built it and we, you know, we it, it took off well. We we started making... By when money. did you launch it? Like yeah, we launched it 2000, yeah. We did not okay. take too long to build it, you know. We built it fairly quickly. So we launched it and we're still a uh, four, four, five people team, right? And we launched it. And then it took off, right? And then we had a few hundred customers. We started making a decent bit of money and we started growing the team slowly. So we... Uh, but then, you know, uh, 90% of the effort of the team was going into making... The state of customers happy, you know, building more features for them, etc. So we continue to do it, but, you know, but we started to see a trend. So all of this was bootstrapped, You know, we are continuing bootstrap through this period of time. And, and uh,
2: similar yeah. pricing, like one, two couple no, dollars, couple of dollars. We moved to six, seven dollars by this time. Okay.
0: okay. We due okay. To mm-hmm. Slightly higher, five, seven, five to seven dollars mm-hmm. at this point. Of time, right. And what? So you like know, a, a
2: thirty-member yeah. company would pay you like thirteen to seven dollars yeah, so per month. Different. So, yeah take it take
0: it and uh, you know but what we noticed was that a lot of what people were doing with this was managing uh, shared email addresses and by that I would mean that the emails would be coming into an email address like a company.com or a company.com right and then the emails would fan out and you'd want to manage it manage the emails right and if you wanted to do that with the label based system uh, it was first of all a huge amount of effort to set it up right. It was a very open-ended system where you could set it up in any way. You could make mistakes, right? And since it was so open-ended, you know, we could not build reporting. We could not build automations. Everything was difficult, right? So, 2015, we had this idea that, you know, let's let's turn it into another product where it's it's customized to handle this problem, right? And then we can probably, since we are solving an important critical problem in a nice way, we can probably move to a higher pricing and also build a lot of, you know, stuff around it. Which, uh, which which delivers more value. You can probably automate a lot better. You can have much better, deeper reporting, et cetera. And then we started to build it. And, and we had the idea to build this in, in 2015, early 2015. But then since we had existing, you know, hundreds of customers paying us a fair bit of money and a very small team of, you know, six, seven people at that time, it took us some time to actually go ahead and release what we built next, which actually came in the end of 2016 or you, honest,
2: what like. you wanted to build next was a tool to manage shared email account, like yeah. a support ID Absolutely. or a Absolutely. jobs careers ID or like those. Kind. Okay. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Hmm.
0: Which, hmm. which is what we have right now. If you go to, hmm. you know, hmm. uh, hyper, right. So, so that is what we wanted to build and uh, a fairly technical, technically complex project, uh, hmm. to build it reliably on top of email. Right. And what did uh, you
2: build exactly? Like if you can just describe that, yeah. like, so like say I have a careers at yeah. like my company domain.com. Yeah. So h- how did uh, your product help?
0: Okay. So this is the same product that you'll see now if you go ahead and try it out, but let me just quickly describe it to you. Right. So, you know, let's say you have a team of 10 people who manage your careers at dot company.com account. Right you go ahead and plug hiver with careers at, you know your company.com, maybe, right and now what happens is that everyone from your team you know who manages careers starts to see a, a, a section called careers in their gmail on the left pane where they have you know inbox etc etc right under that they see careers right so and and if you click on careers you see some buckets called unassigned you know assigned to someone etc cetera, etc cetera, right now what happens is that as soon as an email comes in it, it is visible in the career section to all 10 people immediately right then you could go ahead and quickly open the email. Anyone from your team goes in, opens the email, right? If they can take care of it, they could send a reply from their own address. So you could send an email from Aditya at, to, to the person who sent the email. Everyone else gets a copy of that email in their inbox within you know the next 10 seconds, right?
2: And, and what about the sender? Will he get the ID from Aditya or will he get it from careers?
0: So you can control that. You can make it Aditya. And that is why people love our product because, you know, in most helpless products, it makes it impersonal. By forcing it to reply from careers, right? So it it carries on absolutely as a personal communication, right? And everyone else gets a copy. Now suppose you don't want to take care of the email, right? Hmm, hmm. You could assign. It to suppose
2: someone. Aditya is not there next day, and someone else needs to further reply. Then that is also possible.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So everyone gets a copy of the email. You go to all email section, all 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 email section for the. Uh, shared inbox and you can see every email that is going on, right? So second thing that you could do is that, you know, suppose you don't want to take care of it. You can assign, want to assign it to someone, right? So on the right pane, you see the list of all users in your account and you go ahead and assign it to someone. In which case they are notified that there is, you know, you have been assigned an email. They could quickly jump to the email and reply to the email, right? And everyone stays in sync, right? And then we go beyond and do lots of interesting things. So suppose you start to reply to the email and someone from your team also starts to reply to the email. They see that you are replying to the email so that, you know, don't say send. It. So this is kind of the core. And then there is a lot more. You can get, you can re- automate stuff saying that if an email comes in at this period of time, uh, you know, it should automatically be assigned to someone. Or if an email comes from this customer, if it is not responded to or resolved in the next three hours, you know, someone should be notified. Right? So that's the automation piece. And there is a reporting piece where you could go in and analyze how many emails you have been getting, how you have been doing in responding to those, which people in your team need help. You know, you could go back and look data look at data historically, etc. Right. So that's the reporting. Piece. So very comprehensive product to to help you manage all of this very, very well. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Do you also use AI in it? Like, you know, where say I don't have a very set strong yeah. defined rule, but a vaguely worded rule that if it is an escalation by a customer, then it should come to me directly. Something like that. Like,
0: you know, we are on it actually. So we, okay. we recently mm-hmm. just built a machine learning team and mm-hmm. you'll probably see something come out by the end of mm-hmm. the year.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So 16 and you built this, what was your pricing around that time then? So
0: again, 16 and it did not have all of this, right? So automation piece was not there. The reporting piece was mm-hmm. not there, right? So 2017 beginning, we launched this and this launched mm-hmm. at a price of eight to $10 per seat. Okay. And then we went from there. Right? And so just,
2: you have to uh, pay for that additional seat of the common email ID also, or no, only you, for you the seat of the, okay. No. Okay. So
0: in all the plans that we have, you can have unlimited number of that common email address. You know, we don't charge for that because you know that you know, if you add more common addresses, you'll basically end up adding more people. Right. So, which, which will mean that we we'll, you you pay, pay us for uh, those users. So, yeah.
2: And, uh, so, uh, this could also be used for like sales management. Like, if you want to build a pipeline of leads and yeah, yeah. Uh, put them at different stages and kind of see your uh, pipeline, like which clients are, or okay,
0: theoretically sure, possible, but you know, we don't get into that, you know, because uh, customer service or customer interaction management and CRM happen to be very different problems workflow wise, right. So you could hack it with this, but we don't recommend that. And and, and the product is not going in that direction. Uh, if you want to handle that, we'll handle that with a different product that is focused on hmm. hmm, hmm, hmm,
2: hmm. Yeah, that would also need a lot of outbound uh, Absolutely. functionality. It's
0: outbound and you know, the way you manage your workflow in a CRM is very different. Very, very different compared to how you manage it here. So it's a different problem altogether.
2: And uh, so uh, how is the pricing evolved now, like from that 2016, uh, $8, dollars okay. to today?
0: So we have our, our primary plan uh, is at $24 per seat right now, you know, which is sell, uh, you know, 50, 60% off. And we sell uh, it, uh, you know, fairly often also at a higher price of $37. So, you know, 24 and 37 is where we sell most of, but the entry point is, you know, uh, $12 at this point of time. You can enter at twelve, but then twelve dollar plan is only available to you know five people teams. If you are more than five people, you'll have to move twenty four dollars. You don't have an option of not. And twenty four is annual, right? So if you pay monthly, you'll it is twenty twenty nine. Yeah. What is the difference between
2: twenty four and thirty seven dollar plan? Uh,
0: there is a huge amount of difference, right? So thirty seven has so twenty four has uh, the reporting module which is very limited. It's just the conversation reporting, right? It it did not does not uh, give you user level, you know, lots of other kinds of reporting, right? And the $37 plan has, you know, the full reporting suite. It has exports, scheduled exports, et cetera. It also has uh, more advanced automations. So it has time-based automations that, you know, if it is not resolved in this time, you have to report to this. You can run customer satisfaction reviews in the $37 plan, right? Uh, yeah. and you can do round-robin assignments that, you know, automatically keep assigning emails to this set of people, right? So $37 plan is, you know, it has been built to have the highest amount of value. Uh, and and we are getting uh, you know much more comfortable selling that plan as our primary plan now. So, hopefully, uh, yeah.
2: why did you raise the VC round? Like, did you need funds, uh, or uh, was it for like investing in more uh, growth, or what was the reason?
0: So, basically, 2018, you know, sometime you know, and I had the feeling that we have hit product market fit with a large market. So, you, know, you can hit a product market fit with a small market very easily. But 2018, you know, with the new product, which you see now, right? I mean, the kind of feedback that we're getting, the kind of customers that we're getting, the way the numbers were moving, we 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 saw that we have hit a good product market fit. And if we want to realize the opportunity that we have in front of us, right, in terms of the kind of product that we build and the number of customers that we want to have, it's going to cost capital. Right? It cannot be done free of cost. So just the product is going to require a huge amount of effort. And the marketing is going to be expensive, et cetera, right? So, so we know we very consciously thought that you know we should go ahead and raise, and then we had been in the ecosystem for quite some time. So you know it happened pretty spontaneously uh, that people reached out to us at the same time, and then we ended yeah up. okay then, okay you know, okay okay. So
2: I guess uh, you know the current uh, trend of remote working makes tools like this uh, very critical. I mean, when you're not sitting next to each other to assign work, then something like this becomes very important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it has always been important. And from the perspective of, you know, managing customer service, right. Even if you are sitting in the same office, right. I mean, it's extremely difficult to manage customer service. If, uh, if, you know, if you're not, if you don't have a tool that helps you do that. better, Right. Uh, So again, I think there might be some kind of undercurrent because of the current remote work scenario. But I think, you know, I mean, it, it, it is something that has always been fairly important.
2: Hmm, 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 hmm. Okay. So what is uh, the, uh, like, you know, what is the base of maximum base of users? Like how many organizations use Gmail oh, and what huge, percentage right? of them are you currently at?
0: Oh, we are at a very small percentage of that. We are at around, you know, so I'll, I'll tell you. So uh, the number of businesses using Gmail is five to six million, you know, based on last data that release I think in 2018 or 19, I would say five to six million is, is a fair estimate, right? And number of people in those in that five six million bucket is you know, 80, 90 million. So roughly probably ten seats per user is what G Suite averages. Of course, there are some very very large companies also, right? So but five to six million is you know what uh, apparently is the current number of businesses using G Suite. Okay, and we have what 1,700, 1,800 customers, right? So so we have we are a speck of dust. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. So it's a huge 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 market very large. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So do you foresee, uh, delinking from Gmail and, uh, you know, or uh, like right now, this itself is a large enough market for you to not think of that.
0: It's a large enough market to build a company with a few hundred million dollars. of revenue. So you know, I, I don't see us delinking at this point of time because it, it, it's better to invest our energies in going deeper into this ecosystem, you know, building more stuff for the people who are already buying, rather than getting you know into a completely different problem by trying to solve for outlook etc etc so i think next 18 months you know we are going to completely focus on this weight. we are not
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: yeah, okay so tell me your own customer service playbook for Hiver. you know uh, i saw a, a lot of uh, rave reviews about hivers customer service yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. and i want to understand how you make that so successful
0: so no, it's it's a part of you know how our product works and and we have used our own product and I don't think we can survive without using hardware the way we do if you have to do customer service like we do, right? And the core component of this is that everyone talks to customers other than marketing, which is, you know, kind of involves, gets involved only when there, there is a marketing activity. Uh, the entire L1 support team, which is the front, front you know, front facing uh, customer support team, the entire product team, the engi- entire engineering team and the entire design team, everyone talks to customers first And that is possible only through, you know, uh, through, through okay. you know, so through
2: our, even someone who's like a full stack developer would get assigned absolutely. some customer service yeah. mails to respond to.
0: Yeah, it's a very f- formulated process, right? So of course, the L1 team, which is the front, you know, the front facing team will try to resolve every email and they'll end up resolving 60% of issues or, you know, questions, etc. But the rest 40% that get escalated, it's not like the L1 support person keeps it with them. You know, it's not like Akshay keeps it them with them and tells someone on Slack that you solve this problem, and I'll communicate to the customer. The entire customer communication is handed over to the engineer who is solving it, right? And so the, what that leads to is that you know there is a lot of customer empathy within the company. You know everyone understands that a customer's problem is my my problem, and there is a lot of customer understanding also in terms of what is important to a customer and what is not important to a customer. So I think that is key, right? I mean, we any company needs to take customers' interaction beyond your your uh, customer support team and make more people stakeholder in that. And when that happens, it's also very demanding because now I'm expecting a full stack engineer, uh, you know, from anywhere in India to talk, talk to someone in the US and talk in the right language, the right diction, et etc. But if you can pull that off, that can be very, very rewarding mm-hmm. for everyone.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you build this team? Uh, like, you know, you have a remote team. So, uh, you know, which means that you need a very high on ownership kind of... Uh, yeah worker uh, how did you go about building this
0: i think it happened over time i think you know one great part is that the early people that we hired were very good and uh, the leaders that we have had are, are very very good right and that is kind of you know uh extended and uh, in my philosophy on the kind of people to hire so uh, uh of course there are lots of factors right there is a lot of trust in the company there is a lot of openness uh, we make sure that everyone has to answer every question that they're asked, right? I mean, if, if me or a leader gets asked a certain question, they cannot say that, you know, we don't want to answer this question because, you know, I mean, who are you to ask this question? And I think once you once you have a huge amount of openness and trust, a lot of things get sorted out. So there's no, I think, I, I don't think there's a magic ingredient. It's just the way it was built over the years.
2: Hmm. Okay. Uh, so you have like a very large sphere Kind of a leadership style, or like, do you get involved a lot in decision making, or like?
0: Uh, until uh, you know, uh both me and nitesh I, 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 we let people uh run things usually the way they run. Right? I think it's it's more important to have confidence in people, and it's fine if they make mistakes. I and mean, there's no mistakes, right? the only disagre- disagreements because you never know who's making a mistake. Right. So, uh, uh, so, you know, you never know beforehand, right? So, so I, 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 I do not see anything as a potential mistake. I see things primarily as disagreements, right? And, and you have to sometimes let it pan out and figure out how it went. So that is, you know, the the, that is how the approach is, right? I mean, we, both Nitesh and I get deeply involved in lots of questions, lots of decision-making, lots of, you know, technical discussions. But uh, what we make sure is that, you know, people have the freedom to decide uh, as they want to decide. And it's fine if they do not want to decide in the way that, you know, me and Nitesh want it to be decided. As long as they have a solid argument for what they want to do, uh, you know, it's fine.
2: Okay. So uh, what's your, uh, advice to founders building global SaaS products in terms of sales? Like, you know, both lead generation inbound, outbound, whatever has worked for you, you know, w- w- what's like the playbook on what works, yeah. what doesn't work, where to spend money, where not to spend money.
0: So, you know, I think the most important thing is to be clear on, you know, what you're trying to do and, and make that fit with, uh, with you know, your product and your market, right? I mean, if you are building a product for SMBs, you know, which should move very fast and, you know, it should be self-serve, self-assisted, et cetera, then you have to work on inbound. You have to, you know, really scale that up, right? And outbound just not might make, not might make sense uh, as as a long-term, you know, primary strategy. But as if you're doing large deal values, you know, selling to IT departments, et cetera, et cetera, it might make more sense to you know go outbound attend conferences etc. Right. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So that. But how I do you is,
2: scale up inbound? So let's say somebody building a product for SMBs. How, how do you yeah. scale that up like the inbound so, process? It,
0: it should, I mean there are lots of details to it, but primarily it's it's two things, right? It's content, and it's it's a lot of money poured into marketing, right? Uh, you know uh, it, it does not make sense to have romantic ideas that I'll just do a lot of content and I'll become a hundred million dollar company. It's not possible. Never done. Right. So so you have to combine content you know uh, which is you know blogs webinars you know thought leadership brand building with money poured into you know search in marketing uh, you know brand building etc etc right it's it's a combination of those two things there's no other way to do it hmm. and what, what one, do you
2: spend money on like one is of course like google adwords would be one place what, where where else do you spend money
0: on so primarily google adwords for most companies uh, you know i will see that other media takes up a much smaller part but it's Google AdWords, it's, you know, uh, it's it's marketplaces like Captera, G2. Uh, it's, of course, retargeting on Facebook, et cetera. It's, it's LinkedIn. All of that take up a small part of the pie. But then Google AdWords is a large part of the pie. But again, we also do events, conferences. We used to do, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to doing, you know, uh, Google Cloud conferences, G Suite, conferences around customer service, et cetera. Right? So all of that have to be combined into the mix
2: it to work. Okay. And tell me about the name, the, the evolution of the name. Like, yeah. you know, what was uh, the reason behind calling it Grexit initially?
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, so Grex in Latin means flock, flock or herd, right? And, uh, you know, we being who we were, we knew this, right? Not too many people do. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I knew this because, you know, long back, uh, there, there used to be a chat server called grex.org. When, you know, before Yahoo chat, people would go to chat. And uh, so I knew Grex means flock. And when we started, I thought it's extremely cool to, you know, use that word for something that is basically a collaborative community product, right? And uh, so we called it Grexit when we started. Okay.
2: Uh, and how did you think of Hiver? Like, again, like community is.
0: Yeah, yeah origin, so I no? was thinking about names around, you know, uh, community, right? So we liked the word Hive, and then, you know, we started thinking around that. So we thought that, you know, something around Hive makes sense. So think it, yeah. At that time, we did not know that Hiver means winter entrance. Uh, it actually means winter entrance. So the domain, domain hiver.com is an expensive, extremely expensive domain.
2: Mm-hmm, <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So uh, what are you currently excited about?
0: Currently, you know, on on the uh, market presence front, right? I mean, the fact that we are a sub-2000 customer company in a market that potentially has 5 billion plus companies, right? It is extremely exciting, right? How do I get to so many people? It is completely theoretically possible, statistically possible, right? And how do you solve this? Uh, you know, getting to so many customers quickly, you know, you can of course take an infinite amount of time to get to them. But how do I get to them? Five to six years. That's extremely interesting, right? And uh, how do I, you know, take care of marketing, sales, fundraising to make sure that happens? Right? And the second is the 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 promise of the product. Like, right? what what else can we do with the product that makes it more interesting? Uh, the 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 fact that we are taking on really well-funded companies like you know, Zendesk, Some of them are actually bidding on our keywords uh, on our brand name, which is extremely exciting for us. And I think we can make a huge difference and impact, uh, if we keep building the product further, because, you know, we think it's, it's the most unique, most interesting, most intuitive approach, uh, to solving the problem that we solve.
2: Are you looking at setting up offices globally or you want to remain in India and do like a pure, uh, online onboarding and stuff like that?
0: So, you know, we'll hire people wherever we need to hire people, right? So, you know, we have a couple of people in the U.S. Our head of sales is in Canada. Our head of, you know, channel sales is in the U.S., right? But Why, uh, why,
2: why did you hire them over there? Like,
0: what uh, so was the, the, it? Our, our head of sales was actually based here, but he moved to Canada, right? And mm-hmm. then he continued to work for us, right? And our head of channel sales uh, is in L.A. And he's probably the most experienced person that you can find in the market on, on G Suite business development, right? So we hired him because, you know, it was absolutely impossible to find someone like him um, in, in, in any part of the world for that matter, right? Uh, as for, you know, regular sales and uh, onboarding, you know, we intend to run it out of, you know, India for the time being. We might build small teams tactically uh, in the US etc. to handle very large customers if we need to. But I think people are coming more and more to terms with, you know, being remote. So look,
2: look, we'll see. what is uh, channel sales for you?
0: Channel sales is going through G Suite resellers, you know, people who sell G Suite.
2: Okay, got it. Uh, mm. Yeah. So, so that that's more of an offline relationship building.
0: That's my, of more thing. of an offline relationship building kind of thing where, you know, they, when they sell G Suite, they also pitch us or you know, help us get through. Mm.
2: Okay. So uh, I, I've asked you this earlier in another way, but have you crossed the $100 billion milestone? And you can feel free to not answer. If $100 you don't billion
0: is a very large, you know, we are far away from that, but hopefully we'll get there sometime. Hundred million dollar in SaaS terms means you are a two billion dollar company. <laughs> Based on current current uh, valuation multiples, right? I mean we have so many companies getting fifteen to twenty X valuation, right? Multi- uh, valuation multiples, right? So what do you think
2: happy- will be the like you know by which year? So
0: you know, if we keep doing well, so you know, we'll have to raise tons of money to get to hundred million. Uh, my guess is that we'll have to raise hundred and fifty million or so to get to hundred million. Uh, but if we play it right, if we keep working on the product, if we have a great team, we can probably get there in five years. It's totally doable because it's up to us, contingent on us to mm-hmm. do
2: it. Because the market is large enough for you to do it. Very
0: large. the product works. The product is very highly reviewed as you have seen. People love it. So totally doable. Mm-hmm.
2: And are you looking at uh, parallel products? Like we were talking of sales, uh, are those on the pipeline or you want to uh, around, for now?
0: Around, around, around an year down the line.
1: This was the Spotlight presented by The Podium. To listen to more such interesting conversations, log on to thepodium.in.